Wow. I. It just it just keeps going. I did not know. It took. Do you remember it taking that long? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, this is my like simultaneous. It was one of the weirdest dual feelings ever. Right. You're like I'm so excited. And I'm so <laughs> mad right now. Like, I can't handle it. Why isn't the yellow man running? <laughs> Wait, what's going on? Oh, he was the first spinny circle, right? The circle that just keeps yes. spinning. Like, that was the, he was the first one for sure. Or, well, it's, it's, should we assume he was a man? I, I feel like he was a genderless, like, cartoon. Yeah, I think that AOL man, a, well, AOL person was definitely non-binary. Yes. And and we start the show this way because I think we need a little more nostalgia therapy throughout the show today. Uh-huh. This this um the past 24 hours have been I mean, if you look at the news, you'll know what I, what we're talking about, but it's been um you know, there's been so many there's been so much death in the past 24 hours. There's been more news about coronavirus and about America shutting down again and everyone freaking. I mean, it's just, it's like 2020 is rearing its ugly head and being like, yeah. <laughs> And as if we didn't have enough of 2020 rearing right. its ugly head. It was just like, hi, just don't forget. We're so- I know you just had your little 4th of July or whatever, but like. I'm still here. I'm still dominating. I don't understand. I mean, I feel like, Allie, this has to be on par with one of the worst years ever. Well, you know, it's funny you say that because there's another year that supposedly was worse. Hold on. Oh. Give me one second. Uh, what year can have been worse than a global health pandemic? A Republican president being racist <laughs> over and over again among other and things misogynistic and xenophobic and running the country into the ground and only concerned about the stock market and this is a republican president mm-hmm. just remember that this november everyone there's voldemort in the office when you go there just just understand where this guy comes not from speak his name right we, we shall okay. not speak his name 45 that's all he gets I have the I have the information in front of me. Oh yeah, so there was actually okay. a worse year than 2020. This is on Medium. Mm, okay. I, I, this was an article I was looking at the other day. Uh-huh. Apparently, the worst year in history is easily upheld by the year 536 AD. Oh 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 yeah, I remember. So, I totally remember. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's a few things that were that were going on. It was the beginning of one of the worst periods to be alive, if not the worst year. This is according to a, <laughs> according to a medieval historian. The year began with an inexplicable dense fog that stretched across the world, with pl- which plunged Europe, the Middle East, and parts of Asia into darkness 24 hours a day for nearly two years. Oh yeah. Uh, this was after you, Mount. What's his name? Do you blew remember up? now? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mm-hmm. lived through it. Yeah. I mean, like our internet kept going out. Like it was crazy. My tan. Gyms were closed again. <laughs> there were there were no gyms. And then you couldn't even yeah. really work out outside because, it, you know, it was like volcanic ash falling on you all the time. You're absolutely right, James, because global temperatures plummeted, which resulted in the coldest decade in over 2000 years. Famine was rampant and crops failed all across Europe, Africa and Asia. So you definitely could not work out outside this period of extreme cold and starvation caused is economic disaster in europe and in 541 a.d an outbreak of bubonic plague further led to the death of nearly 100 million people 
<laughs> the, okay, so this. So it was a really crappy year. <laughs> I mean, it was a really crappy year. <laughs> I, it's so funny that you bring that up too, Allie. For, for perspective, I started watching uh, this like 17 part series that's literally 17 hours long about the plague. Because I was like, all right, I need to get, now that I'm done with school, I still like, lear- I love learning, right? I'm one of those yeah. lifelong learner people. So I'm like, I need to. You're the eternal student. Kind of, yeah. And I'm like, I need to get my knowledge up on the plague. And. <laughs> just the OG plague. Just the OG plague. And, and well, here's the thing. Also, in the setting of we're very, our history and the world is very Eurocentric, right? And very white-centric. There was likely other plagues that were almost as bad that happened in black and brown parts of the world that no one really talks about. Wow. Why is that not surprising? Uh, Surprise, including including China. Right. So there was a huge, crazy plague in China that no one ever really talks about. So whenever we talk, everyone's like, oh, yeah, the plague. Well, that was mostly just in Europe. And it's like it wiped out the world. Well, it really wiped out Europe. So Europe wasn't the world. Europe isn't the world, but it wiped out a good chunk of Europe. But I was like, let me get my education on about the plague, right? So that I know how to compare and contrast to the plague that we're in now, essentially. And it, yeah, I, cu- I couldn't do it. <laughs> it was, I was like, I got a, I got enough sad news right now. I don't, because this woman goes on, she starts and she's apparently like the world's foremost expert on like the plague. And she's, she's both a historian and like an epidemiologist or some like weird mixture. It's great. And she just gets in there and she's just like, so the first year killed what we think was somewhere between 75 and 150 million people, which at the time would have been the equivalent to, and I was like, nope. God, (laughs) chalk that up to people you wouldn't want to have a long conversation with at a cocktail party. (laughs) So what do you do? I'm a plague specialist. Oh, yeah. Well, it started with 100 million people. And then then as she gets drunk, she just gives more and more plagues and (laughs) goes over all the (laughs) And You're like, no, Sheila. Did you guys know about the plague from (laughs) 1700 BC? was not even a big deal. You guys don't even understand. (laughs) (laughs) This was nothing compared to 536 AD. I'm going to tell you about it. Oh, right. Sheila. Well, we are going to try. <laughs> we will keep you updated while also giving you a little nostalgia therapy this morning because we need it. We'll be right back with more. Oh, speaking of, I almost got scammed yesterday. I will oh, tell you the story after this. It. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Okay, first of all, I always forget about what these sounds how on acid the like 70s animators were when they were like right like 70s and 80s when it was just like and the kids are like flying through space and the moon is like all like yeah what up yeah man the magic school bus was definitely created on under the influence totally reading rainbow This is the most therapeutic thing. A reading rainbow. A reading rainbow. Reading rainbow. Yeah. Uh, That's nostalgia therapy. 
uh, I, I want to open up my own nostalgia therapy center where you just come in and you can play all the games from like the 80s and 90s. We have like DVD and VHS collections of totally. Daria and all kinds of different shows. <laughs> There's like, you know what I mean? All the decor is all nostalgia. So you just, you can spend, it's like a retreat center. It's, you can that's spend exactly. like a week there and just engage in nostalgia therapy and feel happy. It'd be, it'd be amazing. You know, I, I, so I used to play volleyball very, very competitively, like club ball in college. And then afterwards, these like pro-am tours and games and all this stuff. And so, but it it was never like, I never took it all that seriously, although lots of people did. And so, you know, the scene in the opening credits of Daria where the, she, the yeah, volleyball yeah, yeah. goes down and she just points that it's in. <laughs> so if that ever happened to me, I would just point that it was in and about <laughs> half of the people would get it and they would just like die laughing. And my teammates would be like, come on, move your feet, you know, like whatever. And I'm just like, oh, but this is funny. Come on. I'm being Daria. Yeah. Like, this is great. And that's a joke that never dies. You're all right. Uh, okay, well, one thing that did exist in the 90s was scams, phone scams, internet scams were still, you know, getting their start. But I was, I almost fell victim to a scam yesterday. And if you listen to the show yesterday, you'll hear my friend, I, I told my friend's story about how she was scammed by somebody posing as a lieutenant at the LAPD. It was a crazy, crazy story. If you missed it, please download the podcast and listen. Um, especially just to create some awareness of what the hell that was because that was insane. So th- so yesterday I had a little time and I was knocking things off my to-do list and on my to-do list was fix printer. And I decided, all right, you know what? I'm going to fix this damn printer. And what, what, I'm gonna, <laughs> what am I going to do? I, I'm out of ideas. I've done all the videos. I've tried to replace the cartridge, all that crap. And so I decided to finally resort to calling tech support for HP. Ooh, very brave, very brave. Thank you. Thank you so much. So then I I Google, I I go to the, first I go to the website, the HP website, and I cannot find a a number there. They want me to like enter my serial number and then talk to some Alice, the digital assistant or whatever. And I'm like, I just want to talk to a human being. So I, I go out of the website and I just Google HP technical support contact phone number. And the number comes up. It's displayed at the very top and on the side, you know, the little side on the right thing. And I was like, okay. So I I, just, I copy the number and I call it. So the first time it rang and then it did like a doot doot, like where the call dropped, which happens in my area a lot. I was like, Ugh, okay. So I call again, uh-huh. rings a couple times and this guy answers and he goes, do 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 HP's tech support. I'm like, hi, how's it going? I I have a problem with my printer and he's like okay ma'am no problem and um and i was like I, before you go into it i've already tried all the troubleshooting videos on your website he was like okay 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 i understand can you give me the serial number okay okay i see that you have this printer this is actually a really great printer i'm like yeah it seems like it's been great but i don't know what's wrong with it now i don't know how to fix it and he's like okay so you've tried everything on the on the website you've tried all the videos i say yeah so then he goes, okay, why don't we why don't we do a screen share then so that I can see what your settings are on your on your computer? Ow. <laughs> but I come on, they do that. They've done that on Apple a million times. I've done screen shares for with tech service and customer service and totally. stuff like that. Totally. So I so he he has me go to this website, real simple website, looks totally legit. Um, you know, let me put in your code. I'm gonna give you the session code. And then, you know, these he was like, just let me know if anything pops up because, you know, you don't want 
like unwanted pop-ups and things like that. Just tell me what you're seeing and I'll tell you like what to click. And I'm like, okay. So then it's like not working properly and he's trying to get a permission to screen record. And I was like, he was like, this is for quality assurance, blah, blah, blah. blah. And it like, the program was, they were like, we were having problems setting it up. And Uh I was getting annoyed because I was like, I just want to fix my stupid, like my stupid printer isn't printing black ink. Like that's all I care about is getting. So anyway, then he has me download, like, then he's like, okay, let's try something else. Let's go to this other website. And I'm like, okay. So we go to that and he's like, okay, just click download on the, and it was like, seemed like a totally legit screen sharing app or whatever. Uh-huh. So I was like, but I was like, why am I downloading a program right now? This is strange. Right. This, right. You start so, get it going down the hole, right? And the next thing you know. Exactly. So anyway, we get it all set up and it's, it all seems to be working properly. He's doing the screen share and he's like, okay, so now... I'm going to go ahead and look at your settings. Okay, I see what's going on. What happens is because the computer, then he was like, you bought the printer in this year in 2013, right? I was like, yeah. And he's like, okay, now I'm seeing all the information. So what's happening is that after your printer, after a certain amount of years, stops updating automatically. So we have to manually update it. And I was like, okay. He was like, so what I can do is I can transfer you to the technical department and they'll do the update for you. It'll take about a half an hour and we'll call you as soon as it's done. That way everything will be updated. And I was like, okay, great. And then he was like, so there is a small fee for the update. And I was like, oh, okay, well, how much is that? And he was like, it's just a one-time fee of $149. And I was like, that seems exorbitant. And I was like, fifty bucks. Yeah, and I was like, um, and he was like, but it would be basically like a brand new printer again. It would start updating automatically, and you get another a, a brand new one year warranty. Um, okay, we have to we have to take a break, but it gets I, <laughs> I start the alley sensor start going off, and I will get to what I did next when we come back. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Apparently, it is also a year for scams, new scams, old scams. You know, why not? not? You know, just just throw it in the mix. Just throw it in the mix. I feel like if we're going to do this. Let's show 536 who's boss. Okay. <laughs> 8536, you listening? Give you a run for your money. Right. Uh, where we left off, I, ha- I was talking to technical support about a printer issue that I had called them. I looked up, I Googled the number for HP tech support. I called the number that appeared on my screen. I was then coached through a screen sharing process where they eventually told me that I needed to have them manually update my printer. He tells me that there's a one-time fee for this, but that I will get a one-year warranty. It'll basically be like a brand new printer again. All It'll be all new software. It'll start automatically updating again, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't know. I mean, I, I just, then what, in another two years, I have to do this all over again Spend and pay again? Like, I don't, you know. Yeah. yeah. And he was like, no, 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 no. It wouldn't be like that. But also we can update it first and you can make sure that's working before you pay. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, I guess give it a try then and we'll see. So then he's like, okay. And he's got this chat box thing like open on my screen. And he's like, okay, great. So I just need to get some basic information from you, your name, your phone number, your email and your address so that we can like start processing the the case or the claim or whatever. So I fill that out. And then there was, and then he, and then his name was written and I, and I, so this guy was an Indian guy, a very thick accent, and he said his name was August Anderson. Yeah. And uh-huh. I was like, 
oh, that's an interest. I was like, your name's August? And he was like, yes. And I was like, oh, well, it's nice to meet you. And I was thinking like, I don't want to judge someone based on their name. But now I look back and I'm like, that was a, such a made up name. August anyway, Anderson, right? My name <clears throat> is August Anderson. Um. So anyway, then I... Then he's like, okay, now I'm going to direct you to a website where you're going to fill out this this form. So we're now on like the third website. Yeah. And then Uh I was like, you know what? This just doesn't seem normal. And I was like, and I told him, I was like, this doesn't seem right. I don't think I would have to go to all these third party websites in order to do this. And he was like, if you have any questions, feel free to ask them. I'm happy to like clear up anything, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, the charge on your account will come up as this it was like web geeks or or something like that. Or tech uh, no, geeks or it should something. come up as HP. As HP. Damn it! So then and then he starts going like, go to. I'll, I'm going to put their website here so you can look and see, you know, what they do and blah blah blah. This is the third party tech people that we work with. And I was like, this is. And then I was like, this is not right. So, uh, but we're screen sharing. So I'm trying not to look up stuff in on my computer. So on my phone, as I'm talking to him, I Google HP. Um, customer service tech support number and a freaking different number comes up. Uh, 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 And it was like an 888 number. And I was like, what? And then I look at the phone and I've called a completely different number. Oh, no. So then I I go to my computer and I'm like, wait a minute, sir. And I go and I Google it and the number, Uh the the correct number pops up. And I was like, what's this number? And he was like, "Ma'am, I, I don't I don't know what you mean." I was like, "This is not the number that I called. What uh-huh. is this number that I, who are you?" <laughs> and what he did he like, say? This is HP Tech Support. I'm, you know what, blah 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 blah, and he's telling me all the same stuff over and over again. We real, you know, I've connected to your printer. I've seen that, you know, you need these drivers. Or you You're need like, this, I blah, didn't blah, blah, ask blah. you if you connected to my printer. I asked you, what is this yeah. number? <laughs> I know. I was like, this is not the number that is coming up on Google search. Right. And then I was like, are you a scammer? Answer my goddamn was, question. Yeah, and he was like, no, man, this is to HP tech support. I was like, can I speak to a manager? And then he starts Yes, going, you did it, Karen. Good job. I, did, <laughs> I need to speak with a like, supervisor. Okay, you know what? Karen's coming out to play. <laughs> right, right, right. So then he, then he goes, oh, of course, of course. And then he starts going like, no, but you know, he's like talking to somebody next to him uh-huh. and trying to, like, I can tell that he's trying to scramble and get somebody on the phone that sounds like a manager. So then I was like, all right, you know what? I'm done. And I ended the screen share and I said, you're a scammer. Get out of my face. And I hung up the phone and I cleared all my browsing history. I deleted the apps. I froze everything like, you know, da, da, da. And you threw your computer out and burned it, right? Yeah. And then I, I, yes, I fed, (laughs) I fed my computer to a bunch of wild hogs. (laughs) So then I call the actual number that came up on Google search and it's like, hello, welcome to HP tech support. I was like, damn it. Oh no. So then I get to a person Ah. and he's like, Hey, how's it going? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, hi, I think I just got scammed. And he was like, Oh no, I'm really sorry to hear that. And then I was like, I don't know if this is the real people either. Like I was having this. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'm telling him the problem. And then he's like, yeah, it actually, um, you know, if you've tried all these things, blah, 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 blah then the, the printer's actually defective. I don't think there's anything we can do. But I can offer you a great upgrade 
deal on a new printer and he starts telling oh, me Jesus. about all the and I was like no sir I am not buying anything <laughs> from you and he was like okay <laughs> I, was like, I got scammed and I don't know if you're a scammer and he was like okay can you just give me the number because this has happened before and I want to know like I can report to my report boss. it to he's like so, those white you, ladies from Calabasas are so angry no <laughs> like okay Karen anyway oh, so don't get gosh. scammed just because you google a number and call them first does not mean Seriously. that you're not going to get scammed yourself so I'm glad that my alarm bells went off and I think only it was because I was on high alert after my friend got scammed anyway All right. when we come back America's shutting down possibly it is I mean California definitely is we'll talk about it next drop the subject the new channel Q drop the subject on the new channel Q I am James she is Allie and she is someone who almost got scammed I'm very proud of hey. you Allie for listening <laughs> to your gut three hours later and pulling out of that scam (laughs) (laughs) well it was another situation where it was long and involved and he had all of the he said all the right things i mean it was a it was like a 45 minutes before i was like okay all right i think this this is not right (laughs) and then i really wanted to confront the guy and be like you are a scammer how do you sleep at night you know (laughs) although sometimes i've heard that some scammers don't even know that they're scammers uh, like some of these companies that you end up calling, they don't. Anyway, that's long story short. That is not what oh. we are here to talk about now. Oh. Uh, like that guy might have literally just thought this is what he's supposed to be doing, but he was part of a larger scamming sort of situation. But man, the scammed, uh, the even the scammers are the scammed. Even the scammers are scammed. I will say, speaking of scams, a lot of people feel like the coronavirus is a scam, is mm. a hoax, is a conspiracy. to benefit who. <laughs> what uh what is that Allie? to benefit who the wildlife the I, fish I, like did the did did deer come up with covid scams like w- like who is this the, the mother earth uh-huh. that's the only people that i think are benefiting from this right now i can't figure out why there are some people who are saying oh you know this is a lefty liberal and slash democrat sort of thing to try to influence the election so that we don't reelect the Republican president who got us into this mess, right? Uh, uh-huh. The 45. But uh, beyond all of that, listen, this virus is real. And unfortunately, in places like the United States and Brazil, most places in the United States, I should say, and most places in Brazil, it is expanding because viruses need hosts. And all of us are the hosts. And we've all been around each other more. We are hosts. We we are we are radio hosts. Viruses need radio hosts. Viruses <laughs> need human being ho- as their host. Virus has viruses have to have a host to live in. And when you put lots of hosts around each other, and the virus's job is to multiply and keep its life going, its literal only thing it's trying to do is find another host for more copies of the virus. That's it. This is like biology one hundred and one. So because we've all been around each other so much. And we have slowly started to reopen in some places, not so slowly, like Florida and Texas. This is why we're seeing this surge. And, you know, for a lot of our listeners are in California. We know that not everyone is here, but everyone has heard California is effectively sort of re-shutting down now. Um, So restaurants, wineries, movie theaters, family entertainment centers, zoos, museums, card rooms, my favorite card room. Yeah, why? They always have to give a very specific update about card rooms. Card rooms. Like, like what is a card room? I mean, it's... I was like, you mean papyrus? 
Right, right. You can't go get any specialty cute thank you cards anymore. Uh, but these are all uh, really basically the only thing that's that's open now. We're we're almost back to like the March April May shutdown. We're the only thing that we're back uh, that's still open is outdoor dining with physical distancing restrictions in place. And this is really sad because you know our, our positivity rate of testing was is creeping up in California. So it's about 7.4, 7.5% right now. The threshold for complete shutdown as a recommendation from the federal government is about 10%. So effectively what Gavin Newsom is trying to do is prevent California from getting to that 10% where he has to shut everything, everywhere, all counties down. So in 30 counties, there were even more restrictive guidelines, like the ones I, I discussed. In the entire state, he did shut down indoor restaurant dining and a few other things. So it's still a little bit hodgepodgey, depending on the counties that you're in. But essentially, 80% of California's population is back to almost where we were in March or April with the shutdown. Well, and I heard that L.A. County is said they're not going to reopen schools. Yep, LA County, uh, like, San Diego We're going to do online only all year. Yep, well, they, they said, uh, LA County said through the fall. Um, so that at least this first fall semester, so into the holidays, they're only going to do distance learning. Um, I see. Which I really feel like is a, is a smart move. And just say it, call it what it is now so that people can plan for it because these poor teachers, I mean, that's a whole other yeah, discussion. Yeah, and the parents. Parents and everyone, at least they now know what they're dealing with. Um, but this is really, you know, it, this it's disheartening. I know this is just sort of the world that we're living in and, and, and we have to deal with the facts and the data and the science that drive these decisions. Now, I'm, I promise you, Gavin Newsom also cut the budget by almost 10% this year. He's not doing this for some sort of financial gain or whatever. This is about protecting human lives. And, and we love when people continue to follow the recommendations. Yeah, just wear your masks or your face shields, everyone. Get a, get a face shield, stay inside, stay safe. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Just the tip Tuesday, quarantine cleaning. It's back, I bet. What kind of cleaner are you? We'll find out next. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Got flipped, turned upside down, and I'd like to take a minute. Just sit right there. I'll tell you how I became the prince of a town called Bel Air. His life is flipped, turned upside down right now. I mean, whoa. I <laughs> Did you think that Will Smith ever thought when he was, you know, West Philadelphia, born and raised, that he would ever uh, be sitting at a red table talking with his yeah. wife of 20-some-odd years about how they have a somewhat open relationship and she was in an entanglement with some new weird rapper guy. Right. I mean, you know, the red table is where he spends most of his days. <laughs> that was uh, bad. That was, that was bad. That was good, though. <laughs> <laughs> Is where I spend most of my days cooling so out, Take a minute, out, just sit right out. there. I'll tell you how my wife got entangled with got a guy Got into an entanglement with a guy who's 25 years my junior or something <laughs> like that. Right? It doesn't rhyme, but it still kind of works. But okay. it's good. <laughs> this is what happens when you're in your 40s and you're married. <laughs> Although I do, I don't know if they live in Bel Air. Jada and Will? I don't think so. I know they have a home here in Los Angeles. How I just the the absolute is that would be that would that be irony or coincidence that he actually would own a home in Bel Air now? 
Yeah, and he would declare himself the prince of said. <laughs> I am the prince. I'm sure everyone would I allow him prince. to be everyone the prince. Everyone would be like, you're the prince, of course. Yes, yeah, of honorary course. prince. Okay, let's get to Just the Tip Tuesday. Every Tuesday we share tips, tricks, life hacks, anything that can make your life a little easier, which let's face it, this year you could really use. And we go back to the world of cleaning. As America shuts down again and California rolls back all kinds of reopening plans that they had, there's a lot of questions about a potential second lockdown oh will I be quarantined again and of course with quarantine comes cleaning so we figured this is a little bit different just the tip Tuesday subject material because this is just about what types of cleaners there are out there and what the that style of cleaning says about you yeah and I feel like the tip here is this is why you find yourself cleaning or how you're cleaning and then what it says about you so that you can then identify it and maybe do something about it if you need to or just knowing it or try to avoid it if it becomes too much of a bad habit or something like that. So I I think this is good. And I mean, the first one I love in this list, they start off right away with the stress cleaner. Yeah. So there are five (laughs) different types of cleaners. They've broken it all down. And this is mental health experts and cleaning experts. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is kind of great that they tag teamed on they this. They brought but it together, right. Number one is definitely the category that I subscribe to, the stress cleaner. If you are feeling anxious, if you have something on your mind, maybe your therapist told you to hunker down and focus on things that you can control, which ends up being the state of the countertops in your kitchen. Right. You're like, this is where we are in our life right now. The thing I can control is the amount of filth on my countertop. Yes. And I've learned this from my family. My mother was a stress cleaner and her mother was a stress cleaner. It's a traditional thing in our family. I don't know if it Uh comes from our Sicilian roots or what it is, but if I have control over my household and the way it looks, then I feel like there's some kind of calm amid the chaos, which is what... Uh, the uh, mental health, the psychologist, the psychologist in this article, Mariana Strongin, says that you are looking for if you are a stress cleaner, it's you're looking for calm amid the chaos and frantically cleaning helps people get out of their own anxious thoughts while also doing something productive. Yeah. And I think as long as it, this is one of those things is that's good. You're being productive. You're getting it's a physical release and manifestation of your anxiety and you're getting it out. And your house is clean. Where it becomes an issue is if you are constantly cleaning or you constantly are recleaning the things you just cleaned, or you can't live with even things being a little bit unclean, even for just a moment. And that's when you sort of are able to like identify that, okay, that, you know, my husband set a cup on the counter seven hours after I cleaned the countertop. And so now I go back and do like a full counter clean instead of just putting the cup in the dishwasher. Like that's an issue. No, no, no. You do what my mom did, which is passive aggressively say, just clean the counters. Right. You do know that I just clean the counters, right? (laughs) I just, I just, or, oh God, I've been cleaning all day. You you chose that. (laughs) Oh, that's even really passive though, right there. That's really, oh, I've been cleaning all day. I I am much more of an ass about it. I literally will stand there and point at the cup a la Daria and be like, babe, you do know that the dishwasher is three feet away from you, right? Doop, right over there. Just right. Just right. It's right there. You can, Anyway. How couples deal with cleaning together is a whole different conversation. Maybe we <laughs> have with Dr. Jens. The second one here, the second type of cleaner is the I need space cleaner. 
Similar to the stress cleaner, you are finding yourself cleaning your space more or to a higher standard than pre-quarantine, and it's because you feel stressed out about being confined, Mm. right? You're like, okay, I feel super claustrophobic in this usually studio apartment, let's be honest. Or even if you have a little more space, you just feel like maybe there's not a space that's yours, and you're just like, all right, I need to restructure everything. I think, too, this goes beyond cleaning. It's like a feng shui restructuring of things to give yourself, make yourself feel like you have a space that you can claim. Yeah, uh, 100%. It, it, this is, I actually think this one is more helpful than harmful, for instance. Um, I, I'm a, I am now back to broadcasting live from at least the bedroom, not quite the closet anymore, but I Good cannot get in a mindset unless this bed is made, this bed that's right behind me. And yeah. I don't, before pre quarantine, I was sort of a meh bed maker like yeah probably four days a week it got made but if it didn't get made yeah it was okay nope now i'm like i get out of bed i pee i make the bed i just like have to have that you have to have those because because if it's there's clutter around you you can't focus especially if you're not leaving to go to a work environment yes absolutely okay so number one on the list stress cleaner number two on the list the i need space cleaning Three more. What type of quarantine cleaner are you? When we come back, this is Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. That's when the jingles were, they had fervor, man. They had some punch. And I feel like they. Speaking of punch, they brought in every member of White Snake. Like they flew them into a sound studio. Like they flew yeah. their instruments and their producers just to get the best recording of a thirty-second. Like, yeah. like cross you fire. get cut crossfire, <laughs> crossfire. <laughs> okay, let me do it again. All right, let me go. Yeah, uh, nostalgia therapy all show long. It really does work. It, it it does work. I mean, we're we're smiling, we're laughing. I'm imagining a bunch yeah. of '80s rockers doing lines of coke, um, <laughs> like <laughs> singing a commercial TV commercial. I also, you know, this is a little bit of a bummer, but I wanted Crossfire so bad when I was a kid, but I didn't have any friends, and so my dad got it for me, and I would just go from one side <laughs> to the other. <laughs> Allie Johnson, fire by myself. Come on, that's not true. I do not believe. I swear. (laughs) I'm imagining this is the opening of also some really sad '80s movie where you're like (laughs) shooting, and then you're like running around to the other side, and then shooting at yourself, and running around to the other side. And and it's like 100 points, and I'm just like, "Mm, doesn't matter. I have no one to share it with. No one share it with. Or or you get overly excited about beating yourself, and then like you know it's really an issue. Okay, we have to move on. <laughs> oh, wait. Justin Tip Tuesday is not a therapy session from Allie's childhood. It is a therapy session for you and your cleaning. We talked about it in the last break, of course, the top five, or I guess the five sort of types of cleaner that you are, particularly here in quarantine. Number one was the stress cleaner, which a lot of us can relate to, of course. I'm stressed. I need to feel like I can control something. I can control the cleanliness of my countertops. Number two was the, I need space. I am trapped in this junior, what do they call them? Junior one bedrooms. That's really just a studio with like a thing in the middle. Yeah. And they call it cozy, which really means that it's a 50 by 50 foot square space. Right. It means it's tiny. Uh, And so you are that type of cleaner. So number three, 
the these are my words. I need to stop saying this because I think I've been saying it also since the Crossfire commercial came out. But the can't even cleaner. Yeah, and the can't even cleaner says if you are. If you have no spare minutes to invest in wiping down your oven when you're trying to juggle remote work with parenting little kids or you're just straight up tired, if you're noticing yourself becoming more lax toward all things cleaning due to lack of motivation or energy, you might be a can't even cleaner. Uh-huh. So this is basically someone who can't even clean. I think so. Like, like I can't even. Like, I'm not. It's, so you're actually not a cleaner. So basically. So that's the non-cleaner. Just means your house is messy, I guess. Yeah. Um, which I is guess. fine. We're we're not judging. We're not judging. It's, this well, is but what there, happens. I will say when, you know, I've watched an episode or two of Hoarders and it just becomes so overwhelming at one point where you're just like, I can't even with the pile of clothes. Like, uh-huh. I've done that where, you know, laundry piles up. And it's all clean laundry and I hate folding laundry and I look at it and I'm just like, I can't, I can't focus on that. I know it's going (laughs) to take up at least 45 minutes of my life and I can't focus on that now. Instead, I will clean this countertop. That is something that's small and manageable goals, right? Right. But if you let your house get into a certain state of disarray, eventually it become you might become a can't even cleaner that that's true or the complete opposite of that where you're like you can't even is number four on the list the people pleaser cleaner so i think i i might fall sort of squarely in this category although this was pre-covid i i like we keep the house tidy and we do like a deep clean every few weeks or so, you know, like whatever. But we're yeah. not like the craziest cleaning people unless someone's coming over. And then like my husband goes absolutely berserk and is like, you know, <laughs> pulling out the old toothbrushes to like clean the cracks in between the sidewalk outside in the backyard. Like he's like what? crazy. And so, I, but we get that way. But we're sometimes like, well, we got to have people over to the house every other week or so just so that we clean the damn house, right? To please the people. Hence the people pleaser cleaning. Right, exactly. No, and and there's also people pleaser cleaning, and then there's family people pleaser cleaning. You know, where it's like mom's coming, and (laughs) you know, or or like some some family that you haven't seen in a while, and you're like, well, this this dictates the state of this home dictates my success as a human being in the eyes of my family, (laughs) and how they will judge me forever. Yep, we used to call that. when there were lots of gay things around the house. So like, you know, <laughs> you de- whatever we would, we would it. straighten up <laughs> before the parents came over before, you know, we were out. And then the last one, of course, um, the, t- although this seems like the number two on the list, I guess, uh, or number three on the list, but it's the tight quarters cleaner. So you're, it's the hustle and bustle of every day. Like even pre COVID non pandemic life, you didn't feel like super passionately about the toilet seat being left up or dishes piled in the sink. Um, but there were like other people under the same roof now for an indefinite amount of time. And you're like, I have to clean because there are so many other people in this like already like tiny strained space. Yeah. And I think where this differs too, is it usually has to do with more than one person. It's a, it's a team effort, and the, I think that the tight quarters cleaner is the person that says, hey, this is a fun group effort. Let's put the chore wheel on the refrigerator. <laughs> Not the Sandra, chore wheel. Sandra, <laughs> your turn was bathroom today. Where 
is that bathroom? Where how, is the sponge? You know, that, you're the. How's that going? Yeah. You become like house manager mode. Do you're like, trying to make sure that everyone's doing their part. Send texts to people who are in the same house, and they're like, yeah. "Can can we um can we circle back and and meet up and download at the chore wheel on the refrigerator at um three fifteen today? That'd yeah, be great. and then you Thanks. text all your friends, and you're like, "Oh my god, my roommate with her, god." damn <laughs> <laughs> can't deal with it and then you're the can they're like the can even cleaner and then that just goes around and around and around okay when we get back news that or lose it drop the subject the new channel q drop the subject presents news it or lose it That means I've got three headlines in front of me, and James, you have three choices before you. And a dinger, dinger, binger, clanger. I think. Let me, let me see. Ooh, oh. Cheers, darling. I found new random items that make a great binger, banger, dinger, clanger. You must be getting ready for our interview later with the rosé maker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited about I that. I sure am. I've been uh-huh. researching all morning. All right. Here's your first headline. These are the most uplifting stories I could find, okay? (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, There is a new project going on where they are... Okay, hold on. Let me explain this properly. Headline number one. (laughs) Search engine plants trees with every search has just planted its one millionth tree. Only a million searches? Okay. No, a a hundred million. Hundred millionth. Tr- oh wow! Even more. Sorry. <clears throat> Headline number one: Search engine that plants trees with every search has just planted its one hundred millionth tree. Use it. <laughs> Headline number two: Here's Queen Elizabeth's meal plan. <laughs> oh wow! Use it. <laughs> Finally, headline number three, owner left scared as pet cat returns home with threatening note attached to it. What? Okay, can I, I'm going to news that one and I'm going to unnews the first one. I feel like, yay, we planted a bunch of trees. We planted a bunch of trees. What's the name of the search engine? We'll give them that much. Um, Okay, sure. It's called, it's a German nonprofit and it is called, oh my goodness. That's Uh, a really. uh, Ecosia, Ecosia. Ecosia, E-C-O-S-I-A. So I have to go to, it's a German nonprofit called, oh goodness, it's Ecosia.com. No, it's a, it's a cer- no, it's a search <laughs> engine in Germany. I know, I'm teasing. And for everyone who uses it, they plant a tree, which just seems like a vet, like they overcommitted. They were like, oh my oh God, God, now people are using this. So 100 right. million tree is good for them. Okay. Let's learn about the queen's diet. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, one of her former butlers called her a chocoholic because she loves, she has one of the sweetest teeth in the royal family. <laughs> family. <laughs> family. <laughs> and there are, there's a whole spread here about the etiquette rules for eating with Queen Elizabeth, which are very interesting in and of themselves. You can't start eating before she does. You can't even sit down before she does. And when she crosses her fork and knife over each other and places them on the table, that means that she's finished eating. And regardless of where you're at in your meal, you are also finished eating. <laughs> <laughs> so I wonder if you're like in that small window, you're just like scarfing down. You're just like, ah, give me everything. Exactly. Um, okay. 
So here's what the queen eats. For breakfast, Queen Elizabeth likes to start her day with a simple meal. After drinking a, a cup of Earl Grey, Her Majesty usually has a bowl of cereal. Ooh, yeah. Awesome fruit. <laughs> but not fruit in the cereal. No. <laughs> she switches things up sometimes and eats a plate of scrambled eggs with a side of smoked salmon. What about the muesli? Before diving into lunch, she likes to enjoy a small drink of gin and Dubonnet. This is very famous, by the way, that the queen just starts, she starts throwing down at like 10 a.m. Damn, I didn't know that. Yeah, like she, and she they, throws down at 10 a.m. They're literally like, this is how she got through being the queen. And, you know, when you watch The Crown on Netflix and all this sort of stuff, they're like, oh, girl has been drinking like, I think she has a gin in the morning and like something else at night. And this is how she's like 197 years old and still kicking it. Well, you know, my grandmother died at 94 and she had a glass of Red infant. She had probably two or three glasses of Red Zin every day. Get it. She- and she, that was her biggest pet peeve about being in the hospital. She was like, <laughs> I want my Zin. I need my Zin. That's yeah. a different problem, but you know. Well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like that. It was a good, it was fine. It <laughs> nice. wasn't problematic. Okay. Uh, then she keeps things light with veggies or grilled chicken, usually accompanied by a salad. Her favorite lunch is grilled Dover sole, complete with a plate of spinach or zucchini. Her last meal of the day, she tends to favor meat for the main course, such as roast beef, lamb, or salmon served in a sauce. And of course, she definitely has her little tea in the middle of the day and some go-to sandwiches like cucumber sandwiches. Finger sandwiches. sandwiches. Right, let's talk about the, the, uh, the cat that got <laughs> uh, slapped with a note. So this actually also happened in the UK. Oh. Uh, in Wales, to be exact. And there's a cat owner who has been left scared to let their pet go outdoors after the cat returned home with a threatening note attached to its collar. Oh, God. So the cat's name is Gandalf. He's four years old. Cute. He is adorable. And he he's one of those cats where he's got his whole day planned out, right? Like he is going all around the town. He's nice. saying hi to people. He's getting handouts. He's he's not shy about going up to people uh-huh. and, or even going into their homes sometimes. Oh, wow. So Good job, Gandalf. Yeah. Gandalf doesn't, he knows no bounds. Yeah. So the cat Gandalf, he came home from his day of shenanigans, and there was a there was a note like a rolled up, almost like a message in a bottle, uh-huh. like attached to his collar. <laughs> Cute. <laughs> and so they opened it up, and it says, "Please keep your cat at home. Your cat almost every day came to my house to take food from our table, <laughs> and spreads fleas into my home." And then it says, "Next page." I can't leave the windows in the house open. Please keep your cat at home. I'm honestly fed up. If I see your cat again at my house, I promise to take him far somewhere. Thank you. Whoa. <laughs> and it's written in like scary pen, like serial killer pen. <laughs> of course. So and now- by far somewhere, they mean cat heaven. Yeah, <laughs> far somewhere. And it's funny, they have like a picture of the cat just looking at the camera like, <laughs> it's got this like threatening note. So they're like, Gandalf has a great life. We want to let it roam and he really wants to go back out, but we're afraid now and we don't know who this neighbor is. So anyway, that is the story of Gandalf the cat. Um, all right, news it or lose it. That's all the time we have. But when we get back, we will talk about what's going on in the 2020 election. Drop the president starts next. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Yes, nostalgia therapy all so long. Doing you a favor, doing ourselves a favor. 
so much unfortunate news coming out in the last 24 hours. So, hey, at least we can take ourselves back to Pee Wee's Playhouse before the movie theater story. (laughs) (laughs) Right. This is pre... This is um, pre-movie theater self-pleasuring. Movie theater self-pleasuring. Thank you for saying that. I wasn't sure what I could say. Um, Everything is wacky. <laughs> That's at at Pee Wee's Playhouse. Re- Are we living in Pee Wee's Playhouse? I think that would really be an upgrade. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's. Speaking of things that are wacky, let's get into the 2020 election with Drop the President. Drop the President. And it's not like there's any major updates here. There are going to be results from a primary that's taking place today. We don't really know that much, so we're going to probably give you some details tomorrow as far as what the results are. But Kanye West has announced his vice presidential pick. I can't even believe we're talking about this in Drop the President news, but his supposed (sighs) vice president is going to be the Wyoming-based biblical life coach, Michelle Tidball, everyone. I know it has come to no surprise. It was like she was the favorite from the beginning. I can't even... I don't even know what else to say. Uh, she's an older white lady from Wyoming who loves God and life calls herself a life coach and life coaches Kanye West for, I'm sure, a very high price. And well, did you also know that Kim and Kanye and their kids live in Wyoming a good chunk of the time? Oh, no, I did not and know that. They have just decided to like they're doubling down on their their life in Wyoming. And instead of having like the two houses they have in Wyoming, they're selling those two houses and they're building like one like 26,000 square foot like mega ranch or something in Wyoming. Like they're going to like settle down and take root in Miami. In Wyoming? Not, not Wyoming. Sorry. <laughs> I was I like, oh, that went a different direction. <laughs> because I can't put my brain around Kanye in Wyoming right, <laughs> and doubling down on it and then pipping, picking a biblical life coach as his yeah, and, presidential running mate. You know, he's getting into this very weird culty mentality of, hey, I'm going to create large ranches or I'm going to create these pods. That's what he was doing here in Calabasas was creating those weird like life pods. Uh-huh. It was like, yeah, yeah. go live on Kanye's commune of weird life pods. And it was like, mm, what? Mm-hmm. So he was doing no. that. And then there were all these aerial shots of him building these white domes. And then now, so it doesn't surprise me that they would build a 26 square foot like ranch oh, and then be like, anyway, and now you can come live on the ranch, but you have to drink the, anyway. Um, do you want to spend the last <laughs> minute and a half just laughing at Jeannie Mose? She has a story about the scam, the SAT guy scam. I think we should spend the last two minutes dissecting Kanye's um, no. policy regarding <laughs> Middle East relations and, and the, you know, Palestine versus Israel. I'm kidding. Yes. Give me some Jeannie Mose for crying out loud, please. Did young Donald Trump pay someone to take his SATs for him? It was enough to inspire hashtag SAT guy. Where are you? Who is SAT guy? <laughs> Former Clinton White House Press Secretary Joe Lockhart tweeted, I'll start the fun, 10K for the kid who took the SATs for Trump. It became fodder for satire. Putin admits taking SATs for Trump. And inspiration for an impersonator. Really absurd claims out of nowhere that I, someone took the SAT for me. Okay, not true, totally. Fo- I know you would believe that because, you're, well, you ask stupid questions. Isn't that a, isn't that a good impression? <laughs> It's a very good impression. Yeah. Who is that? Do we know? No, that- I have no, no idea oh. who it is, but maybe we gotcha. can ask Jeannie Mose. We can get her on. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Because this is her story about SAT guy. The real White SAT House is guy. Much the same. The absurd SAT allegation is completely false. It's true young Donald wanted to get into the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. You've got to be very smart to get into that school. Very smart. The president's niece wrote to hedge his bets. He enlisted. Are we out of time? Shapiro, a smart kid with a reputation. No, for we're good. I, we can listen to Jeannie Mo all day. <laughs> Just keep doing There will be no other music or commercials. That, we have 20 seconds? Okay. Uh. Where have you gone, Joe Shapiro? Very stable genius. The genius is online. Stable no genius. I forgot about that stable genius thing. You know, you go back into the vault of, of like ridiculous things that he said, and you're like, oh yeah, uh-huh. how did oh, he get away yeah. with that? Exactly. Anyway, yep. okay. all right. Uh, it seems we're out of time, but if you want, we'll <sighs> just tweet out this link because this is a little bit. It's not nostalgia therapy, but it's kind of like old news reporter nostalgia. It. Yeah, it is. And I think after listening to even Jeannie Mose, who brings up clips of Donald Trump, Donald Trump makes a lot of us feel like we need to drink, which is exactly sometimes what you need to do responsibly, of course. And we're going to talk about why you should be drinking rosé and that it's not just for white ladies anymore. We promise you. That's next. And drop the subject. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Yes, it's Drop the Subject with Allie Johnson and James Simmons. And... Of course, summer is here, and if you're a white lady, then you know rosé, okay? You probably have purchased a rosé all day t-shirt, or namaste rosé, or, I mean, there are just a million of them. We a million are, white ladies? That, well, yes, that as well. <laughs> a a million it, shirts, I too. mean, the rosé aisle at the grocery store started out as like a row, and now it is an entire section. It has really become a huge, huge thing over the past couple of years. And so we wanted to talk to Donna Burston, who is a, a black winemaker and is trying to change uh, the narrative about rosé. Donna, we couldn't be happier to, uh, ha- happier to have you on. Welcome to the show. Have you had some rosé? Thank that. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me. Good morning. Uh, yeah, I am already eager to try La Fête de Rosé, which is your the wine that you make. And I just wanted to get mm-hmm. some background from you about how this started. How did you get into the business? I know that you're... Your rosé is French, but I don't know. Yes. Like, are you in France right now? What's going on? Tell us. Everything. I wish. I'm in, I'm in Miami. I wish I was okay. in France right now, but Miami's not bad. <laughs> no, no, not at all. So I actually started my career way back in 2003. Uh, I was working on Hennessy Cognac and Moët de Chandon uh, in the Atlanta market. Did that for a couple of years and then went off to New York like we all do when we're so young. And I went and worked for Heineken doing all of their promotions and sponsorships around the African-American consumer. That only lasted a short year, and I got the call to come back down to LVMH Moore Hennessy, this time in Miami. So I was there for 10 years working across the entire portfolio, Belvedere Vodka, Bouffique Champagne, Moët de Chandon, and then Dom Perignon. I burned out, thought I was tired of the industry, took six months and traveled around the world to find myself, quote unquote. Mm. <laughs> then I received a call from a former colleague on Bouffique and said, hey, I'm now the CMO of Champagne Armand de Brignac, a.k.a. Ace of Spades, uh, would you like to come on board? And I was like, sure, why not? You know, money was good. My money was also running out from traveling around the world. So I <laughs> funny, <laughs> funny how that's a motivator, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I did that. And then throughout the course of that three years at that company, I traveled to the south of France a lot for work. Uh, and I happened to meet the owner of the winery at a cocktail reception before the big Ampar Gala during the Cannes Film Festival. And we struck up a friendship. And I told him, 
I wanted to start a rosé and he kind of looked at me and was like, what do you mean? I was like, I want to start a cooler, more hipper, more inclusive rosé wine brand. He was like, okay, let's, let's see what we can do. And here we are a year later. I mean, a year. Wow. That happened that quickly. Yeah. It's, it's funny because I, I was telling a friend of mine just the other day, like, I really think that this was like serendipity or synchronicity, I should say, excuse me, because I didn't think about any of this while we were going through the process. It really just happened. Like I said, let's do it. He said, send me the money. I, you know, I got a creative <laughs> designer on board. We tasted some wines and then literally a year later, the product was on the shelf. Now, rosé is obviously geared towards white people. That's what it's been. And and how do we change that? Are you looking to try and have it be more available to black and brown communities? Like, wh- how do we change rosé yeah. and what it, and how it's geared toward certain demographics? Yeah, it's interesting because the basis of why I really wanted to change it is because when you're in Europe and you're in the south of France and all these other places, everyone drinks rosé, right. regardless of color, gender, etc., for some mm-hmm. reason, when it, when the trend started stateside, the big guys chose to only focus on white women, which is no. crazy. Because <laughs> are you surprised that a large, large companies only chose white people to right. market to? Are these the same marketers as the Lacroix people? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so for me, it was always like when I was in the south of France, even living in Miami, my friends' zone or circle of friends was very diverse, and we all drank. Rose, whether it be men, women, Asian, black, gay, straight. And I was just like, why are we only seeing white women in the Hamptons with flowy dresses and pink flowers as mm-hmm. the definition of what Rose was in the United States? So for me, when I say it's an all inclusive brand, it's just really about having conversations with every demographic. If you go to our Instagram, you can see a little bit of everyone there, where the marketing for the other brands was always the white woman. And it's just. Mm-hmm crazy. So for us, yes, to answer your question, we are targeting, you know, places that are predominantly African American, Hispanic, but we're also targeting places like Nobu and, and Satai Hotel and the W Hotel and just saying, hey, listen, this brand is for everyone. Let's stop saying it's a women's drink or it only has to be consumed in the summertime when the sun's out. Like we're just trying to change the entire conversation. So it's taken seriously by everyone is a real thing. And I think that that is so incredibly important, Donna, in terms of like the representation, not only of you as an as a black owner of a rosé wine, but then also being very intentional about your marketing and distribution efforts. So yes, this yes. is distributed for a place that's for everyone, but also the sponsoring of events that that we've exactly. seen like on your website and things like that, and being involved in the community. And it's not just about like, oh, we think everyone should drink our wine so that we can make more money. Like, let's actually change the narrative. And I I have to say very personally, as a black man who has been drinking rosé for several years, (laughs) probably influenced by the white ladies in my life, (laughs) yeah. <laughs> I am I just to be totally completely try honest I'm, uh, you guys should totally try it it's great um, I, I am very very thrilled and super excited to see that this is happening I, again I feel like the spirit of what you're doing here feels different from like let's just make money off of the black community which a lot of businesses do or like in the LGBTQ community for instance we have you know everyone loves us during the month of June which is pride right. because they want our money and then yeah they, you know, sort of disappear about that. And we we have to dip really quick to uh, a break. But when we come back, I kind of want to talk about what you, you're not only walking the walk, but you're talking the talk. No, the other way around. Talking the talk, but walking the walk <laughs> in terms of supporting the community. We're on with Donna Burston, um, Black Rosé winemaker. We'll have more with them on Drop the Subject. We'll be right back. Drop the Subject. 
the new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject on the new channel Q. I am Allie, she is James, or something <laughs> like that. And we are on here with Donnie Burston, who is the black owner of uh, Le Fête Rosé. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. Oh, the very good. Party. All right. <laughs> the rose, it is a rose party, and we're having a rose party here. Uh, it's really exciting. And uh, Donnie is, is doing a lot to change the narrative about who rose is marketed to and who drinks rose. But even more than that, you are actually giving money back to the community, Donne. Can you tell us a little bit about your initiative with Color of Change? Yeah. So, you know, initially our, our give back community platform was all about travel because travel for me really educated me postgraduate. I traveled around the world. I've met so many different people. It was probably the best education I had, including better than college. But then when everything started with the murder of George Floyd and all these other companies were out there just donating money. But for me, it was very different because I felt like the onus was on me as a black CEO and a black founder of the company to do my part and do my part now. So from now on into August, $2 from every bottle sold is donated to the color of change. But we're also donating to organization that will serve as a resource and a pipeline for other people of color to get into the adult spirits business. Because we've had so many people reach out and say, how do I get into business? How did you get started? I didn't even know this was a career path. So in addition to the color of change, we're looking to also make the industry overall far more inclusive. Are you starting to see a little more inclusivity when it comes to how the wine business is changing in general? Maybe over the last five, I mean, you've been involved in this industry in a long time. Yeah. Have you seen some changes? It's I have. Yeah, I have. I, I think, you know, I always tell this story when I was on Clico, they were very clear that their audience was you know, general market female that made $75,000 a year plus. And now if you look at a lot of the things they're doing, it's far more multicultural. So I think brands are realizing you can no longer segment based upon demographic and you have to think about psychographics. So as an industry, they're starting to get that, but the positions of leadership, power, and decision-making are still predominantly old white men. So we're trying to change that. And hopefully in the next 10 to 15 years, you'll see that change. It's so nice. I'm just going to say, it's really nice to go on your Instagram page and see images of men drinking wine in general, because like rosé aside, (laughs) I don't know. I've talked to some men that some men that are like, no, 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 I want a beer, you know? And I'm like, do you even (laughs) like wine? Have you tried wine? Or is it something that you feel emasculates you? And like, is that something that you're actively trying to combat in your social media presence and with your company in general? Because it seems that there's still this stigma around it, especially with like white wine or rosé. Exactly. If a guy's going to drink wine, it's like, I want like a big Cabernet or something. That yeah. has to be like and, some media, something to eat with a steak. And this is, the, again, the, the, the mistake that the other brands made initially because they, they made men feel like to drink this light pink wine was very feminine. So I'm actively trying to change that because, again, like I said, in France and in South of France and Europe, everyone drinks rosé. It's not based upon gender. It doesn't make you look soft and, and all that good stuff. So we're just showing a lot more men drinking rosé because we know secretly men are drinking it. But somehow in public, it's to your point, I got to have the beer or give right. me the scotch. And you're just like, dude, stop. Like I saw you <laughs> at the beach club drinking rosé. It's OK. So we're making it more, you know normal if so to speak mm-hmm. so we even had athletes drinking rosé and we post them on instagram thank god for people like lebron james who now yeah. on his own instagram shows himself drinking rosé because then that makes everybody else feel like oh if lebron can drink rosé i can too so we're actively pushing to change that because you know listen it's a shame that we even think that a drink is for female versus male and we just want all that to go away yeah, yeah, I think that's such a gender everything for some stupid right, yeah. right, and we feel the need for that, or even that to, you know, and we certainly I don't want to go the conversation to go super serious, but that we sort of equate 
anything that is female centric towards being like like bad necessarily you know what i mean like we but that's a whole society cultural picture what i really want to talk about by the way as someone who is a i'm not a connoisseur of rose necessarily (laughs) i mean i'm talking to drink a lot of it (laughs) i just drink a lot of it and i know what i like so i Mm -hmm. give us and we have a lot of wine drinking listeners so tell us a little bit about the actual wine like yes you're a do-gooder fine yes (laughs) and it's eco-friendly and it's affordable Uh, right but how does it taste like do i want to drink this it's damn good so what i tell people is there's two spectrums of rosé there's the very light pink acidic bitter get one glass you're like okay i don't want that and then there's the other side which is the very heavy foody rosé wine again you want one glass and you're kind of done this is the perfect blend right down the middle so you still have a lot of fruit long finish but it's still light and easy to drink also our abv or alcohol by volume it's 12.5%. A lot of the other rosés are pushing 13 to 14%. So all you get is a lot of alcohol. So with our wine, you get a lot more fruit, a longer finish, and it's damn good. I mean, we just got a 90 point by wine spectators. So, oh, nice. Uh, excuse me, wow. wine enthusiasts. So you can't get that without having some good juice in the bottle. Well, it's wow. 25 bucks a bottle, which is very affordable. www.lafetterose.com. That's L-A-F-E-T-E rose.com. One last question for you, Donna, before we let you go. Any mm-hmm. interest in maybe developing a wine for Rosé's less popular sister, White Zinfandel? So we Trick question, Donay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, so our next offering, we're not. We're going to stick with Rosé for our next offering. So our next offering will be a sparkling Rosé, also made in <gasps> South of France. Nice. So that's My coming uh, next year. favorite. Yeah. My favorite, you know, so it's coming next year. And I do want to also, before you go, I know you had a lot of events that you did at Atlanta, DC, uh, and it was yep. expanding to Houston. And, you know, obviously we're in the middle of a global pandemic, so those are not yep. going on, but I just, I, I want to press you just a little bit. We're in Los Angeles. When we're able to open back up, you're going to add Los Angeles to that list, right? Oh, Los Angeles is going to be like ground zero for everything that we do next year. Are you kidding me? I'm in. We have your spokespeople right here. I will gladly be a black queer man drinking all the rose you want me to drink. (laughs) Yeah, James will be your number one endorser. I'm all for it. Donna Burson, uh, CEO and founder of La Fete Rose. I think it's just La Fete Rose on your Instagram. Is that correct? Simple. I mean, you, of course, you have the formal name Le Fete du Rosé, and then we have the easy name when we're just talking to friends, which is Le Fete Rosé. Oh. Excellent. Oh, we good. just say, hey, I'm Le Fete Rosé. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's Le Fete. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Donay, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Take care. Thank you, guys. Talk to you soon. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. Oh, hi, it's Allie and James. How's it going? You might be enjoying some rosé after that great conversation. Mm. Hmm. I I know I've got to crack a bottle open pretty soon here, but we move. You already are. Ah, let's move on to an entire. Let's completely switch gears here. You know, one of the things that was making the rounds yesterday and into today into today is that America is closing its doors again. Okay, California, absolutely. But across the country, there are a lot more states and counties that are going against the president's wish for us all just continue reopening and act like COVID's not happening. So it is resulting in some confusion as to what is open and what is closed. So we thought we would turn it into a fun, interactive game that we call Open Close. 
Touch your eyes. That's a horrible intro. Uh, no, not, <laughs> not a good idea. <laughs> but open close is the game. So here's how it works, James. We are going to go through some of the establishments that Jesse, our producer, has put together on a list. These are establishments. They could be restaurants. They could be historic landmarks. They could mm. be recreational uh, buildings. Facilities. I mean, facilities, sure. exactly. Uh, tennis courts, and anything. Uh, mm. And not just California, all over the country. We have people listening all over the place. So we're going to go through some of these, guess on whether or not they are open or closed, and then we will call that establishment and find out if they really are open or closed, because this is mm. open close. Now, James, where yes, would you sorry, like I'm... to start? <laughs> would, you, uh, <laughs> would you like to start with Coit Tower or oh. Medieval Times Dinner and Tournament in Chicago? Oh. Or we could start with Prehistoric Golf Putt in Omaha, Nebraska. I mean, you're sort of baiting me with mm-hmm. two places that I have lived before. I feel like I really want to know if Medieval Times is open because that is a huge attraction and busier than you would think. And it's maybe it's in the suburbs. So I think I don't even think it's in Cook County anymore. So maybe they have a different rule because they're in a different county. This should be very interesting to see whether or not Medieval Times. Medieval Times. Medieval Times is a wonderful place. I've never been there, but they do dueling. They do jousting. And I'm looking at the website. They have a Meat whole plethora. On the bone. Oh, yeah. You're eating turkey legs right off the bone. You have a wench mm-hmm. as your waitress. You're drinking mead. I mean, the entire thing is a real experience. Now, I would imagine that jousting is I mean, socially distant. Yeah, those, those poles are longer than six feet. Yeah, so it's possible that (laughs) they could be open. Now, of course, we know from living in California that all restaurants are being ordered to close, especially for indoor dining. Medieval Times Mm -hmm. is technically an indoor dining experience, but does Mm -hmm. not, it's not the one in California. We're talking about this one in Chicago. And like you said, it's outside of Chicago. So do you think that Medieval Times is going to be open? Epic battles of steel and steed are unfortunately no match for a virus. <laughs> I think that's no, actually, I think they're going to be open. I think they're going to try to keep this thing open. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that it's closed because mm. they've reeled up the drawbridge. They have tried to, <laughs> you know, there are people to put on those shows there's so much required rehearsal and you know just it's probably a place that doesn't seem like it's been cleaned that often so i'm gonna go (laughs) ahead and say it's closed but we will find out right now i'm calling medieval times just outside uh just outside chicago we'll see what they say calling medieval times dinner and tournament to ensure the well-being of our valued team members, we have temporarily closed our national call. Oh! It would be our pleasure to send you by email at orderhelp at medievaltimes.com. Oh, we... Again, our email address. Okay, well, you can email them about inquiries, but we Medieval can... Times not open. 
Mm, wow, I am surprised that okay. these battles of beasts and wild or whatever <laughs> bow down to the ferocity. I keep saying that word of a virus. Well, let's do one more prehistoric putt okay. in Omaha. Let's do it. Uh, this is actually an indoor putting experience. It uh-huh. it is medieval also in theme. I'm looking at the pictures here and it's stone walls. There's a giant raptor flying overhead. Uh, you know, it's it's all themed around prehistoric medieval adventures. And it's it's indoor, like I said, but you know Nebraska more than I do. So do you think this place is going to be open or not? I for sure think this place is going to be open because it's Nebraska. And, you know, they don't the virus doesn't uh, go after, you know, middle class white Christian folks that just don't. They have prayed away the virus in Nebraska. It is not there. Let's find out. All right. Ringing. That's good. Not a voicemail. Can I help you? (gasps) Hello. Yes. We wanted to know if you were open or not. Yeah, we opened at 10 a.m. and we closed at 10 p.m. Wow. And do you have a limit as to how many people can be in one party? Not how many is, Not how many you bring in. You know, usually we suggest putting with, you know, um, less than six people just so you guys keep progressing through the course. But you can bring as many as you'd like. Okay. And are masks required inside? Masks are optional. Ah, masks are an optional. Okay. And is it a medieval good time? Um, did you say medieval? Yeah. Um, we're at prehistoric pet. Oh, so it's not medieval. Um, medieval's in Elkhorn. You called the prehistoric pet, though. Oh, got it. So they this one's prehistoric. Time. The other one's medieval. And that one's open as well, correct? Correct. Yep. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. We're on our way. Oh, you're welcome. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. There you go, James. <laughs> and masks are optional? Optional. Come on, Nebraska. No limit. Uh. Oh, this has been open close, and I would imagine we have enough to play. Everybody clap, clap, clap. Open close, open close. Everybody bring your mask. Unless you're in Nebraska. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Ah, yes. Nostalgia therapy all show long because, let's face it, we could use it on a day like today. Did you ever play Sega? Uh, like I was the master of what's <laughs> what was name? your game? Was it Lion King? Was it uh, yep. Sonic the Hedgehog? I was a pretty, pretty solid Aladdin. Sonic dude. Like the original Sonic. Like I think I, I'm not sure I ever beat it, but I got really awfully darn close. And uh, I had that and Street Fighter. I played a lot of Street Fighter on Sega when it came out on Sega. Ah, good stuff. Well, yes. Let's move on to, we will be sharing more nostalgia therapy with you throughout the show, and it's been nice hearing from Fresh Prince and all kinds of different people today. But let's hear from somebody who ventured out of their house and then regretted doing so immediately, because (laughs) as things progress in 2020, it becomes more and more true that we should all just stay the, the F at the home. Virus, so I've written you a poem. We need your help to cure it. So stay the but. F- at home. And if you have got 12 kids or you're living on your own, lock it down and isolate and stay the fridge f- at home. If you think you're not at risk here, you're living in a dome. It spreads faster than a hooker's leg. So stay and the f- okay. at home. It's no surprise that this incident took place in a grocery store. Seems to be ground zero for a lot of problems these days. And here's how it starts. It's how one worker was cleaning the carts that is brought into question in this story. 
I was freaking out. Marta Alessandra Casimiro says she started recording a cleaner at Freshco on Bathurst and Nassau on Sunday because the baskets at the store were filthy. She wanted to show a manager they weren't being cleaned properly, but she didn't expect to capture what she calls a disgusting act. After a few, few seconds, I saw the, the guy spitting on the towel and after cleaning the basket. Spitting? So the man, and there's a video of him, he's an old guy, he seems like somebody who would hand out like old war coins on Halloween. He (laughs) is spit, traditional spit shining the the baskets at the grocery store. So he thinks he's cleaning them. I hate it here. And he, (laughs) what is going on? And he's got his little hanky and he's doing a little and clean that one. All right, set it down and a whit too. And that, this is a clean. This is pitch shine. That is never appropriate, <laughs> ever. Like I mean, maybe your own thing, like your spit shine, your own elbow or something, right? Like fine. That is never appropriate to put your spittle on anything else that is not you. Oh my God, I can't. He just. <laughs> Marta says she saw the cleaner using the same towel to later clean off carts as well. We are oh, the come on. <laughs> um, what? How, how, how do you think how we can feel? Now, Marta says a manager was unavailable on Sunday, so she called the store back the next day to report the incident, but was given the brush off by the franchise manager. Okay, so there are many cases with Karens of this day and age where asking for the manager is unnecessary. Uh-huh. This is not one of those situations. Correct. And why is there no manager on a Sunday? Like, right. how does, I'm sorry, you just, the store doesn't need to be managed on them. This is like a grocery store, right? Like a full yep. on grocery store. Major okay. grocery store. There are issues and things that happen on Sundays. I'm not sure why there was not a manager or why that manager was available. We are in the middle of a viral pandemic of which is transmitted by spit, by mucus, like, I can't even talk about it right now. I'm so I can't even understand this. There's no way in hell that this guy does not know what's going on. If he is of sound mind and body enough to work in a grocery store, this is like willful disregard. I don't care how old you are. You are not allowed to spit on baskets that then other people touch with their hands. I think that James might be upset. And that's okay. You know, this is a place where we can share our anger and frustration uh, for people like this man who God is spit shining grocery carts. Stay the F at home! Uh, stay the F at home, everybody. This did play- take place in Toronto, I will warn you. So at least I don't know where you live. Maybe you do live in Canada and you're listening on radio.com. I'm not sure. But regardless, just stay the F at home, okay? It's the easier choice. When we come back, we're talking to Dr. John Paul. It is your weekly wake up call after this. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. All right, another hour of wonderful radio juicy goodness on Drop the Subject. I am James. She is Allie. And it is time for your weekly wake-up call. That is right. Everyone, listen. Dr. John Paul is back with us like they are every single week. Dr. John Paul, I feel like we need to update our list, by the way, Dr. John Paul, because we, you know, Dr. John Paul has written for Out Magazine, Them, Sci-Fi Wire, The Root. You've seen on TV, on MTV News and radio and, you know, Equality Magazine's top 40 LGBTQ under 40 in 2019. Dr. John Paul is an educator, uh, just an amazing human being, but also 
I feel like you have done 47 trillion things in the last two weeks. You've spoken to the NFL about how they're changing their race policies, which I feel like is a whole other fascinating conversation we need to have. So we are, honestly, I want our listeners to know how much of a gift and an honor it is to have you every week to educate us, particularly about this week's wake up call, which is very controversial. <laughs> <We're just> gonna, <laughs> cool. I'm gonna give everybody a second to breathe on this one. Yes, as, as we all know, as and if you're if you're new to drop the subject, we really wanted to make it a, a an absolute um, imperative initiative as a part of our show that we continue this conversation about Black Lives Matter, about the as I've called it, the Great White Awakening to systemic racial injustices, and this this can't just be a flashpoint of a movement, but we have to keep the conversation going. And one of the one of the topics that continues to come up that Dr. John Paul is here to educate us and our and you about is the fact that black lives matter as a movement isn't racist reverse Mm -hmm. racism actually does not exist is not a thing literally black people can't be racist and and Mm -hmm. lots of folks don't get that right yeah so i think it's a very interesting you know when i when we have this conversation i always get people that say well yes they can and i'm going actually they can and they go yes they can i'm like no you know this constant back and forth and i think we have to sometimes get to the root of what the real terminology of racism looks like and, and and how it works so the thing I've always kind of prefaced this conversation around is, can anybody be discriminatory? Yes, but can Black people be racist? No. And right. why is that? Well, let's look at the way that racism has been set up since, you know, the I would say since the beginning of time. When I say that, I'm not even, I'm not talking about Adam and Eve beginning of time. I'm talking about this idea as when America was first, quote unquote, found or discovered, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you have Black individuals who are enslaved and you have them brought here to America. And you have individuals who not only kill black people, you know, in order to get them to do what they want them to do, but you also have them, you know, killing off Native American individuals and the conversation around all of that, right? When we start digging into the history and we start actualizing what has transpired, there's a key word that I think everyone seems to miss. And that word is power. And so when we start looking at the power dynamics that's connected to race, right? Who holds the power dynamics? Who has the who has the ability to to put those power dynamics into play, oftentimes when you start looking at data and you start looking at statistics and you start looking at history, Black individuals have never held any type of power here in America, right? We have never had any type of power structures that could fully oppress someone else. So when we really break that down, right, when we think about what is that power dynamic, how does that look and how does that feel, right? Um, I like to tell people, just putting it into perspective as to now, right? If a black person was to say, I'm going to call the police on a white person, what would happen? Right. Mm. If, <laughs> if a, right, right. If, a, if a black person was to, so say, for instance, a white family walks into, and I use this because this is an experience that I had personally a couple of years ago when I moved into the neighborhood that I now live in. My husband is, a, is not a person of color. And the way that my husband was treated versus the way I was treated when I went to pick up the application, right? It was very mm. clear the dynamic between how I was treated as a person of color who has really decent credit, who has had really good money, um, who has more education than anyone else could probably have. And yet my husband was still treated better than I was when we went to pick up the application, right? Thinking Mm -hmm. about those power dynamics and how that looks systematically. When we talk about racism, 
there is nowhere in history, there's nowhere currently where black people hold the same amount of power to fully oppress another group of people. So can black people be racist? No, because in order to be able to be racist, you have to hold that system of power to be able to further marginalize someone else. And it's impossible. There's nowhere in the world that we could even do that. However, when we start talking about discrimination, which is a whole different conversation, mm -hmm. discrimination can be this idea of I don't like white people for this reason, or I don't like Latinx people for this reason, or I don't like Asian people for this reason. So I might not hire them, or I may find a way to throw out their resume, or I may find a way to throw out their application for this housing project, right? But in the same vein of being able to oppress them can't happen. It's not possible. Right. From what I understand, mm -hmm. you a marginalized group cannot be called racist because they continue to be marginalized. Correct. Right. So, so mm -hmm. are there any, and I know we have to take a break and come back, but are there any societies globally, and I don't even know if you know the answer to this, where white people are not the people in power? Or is that no. a global? Okay. No, it's global. I think mm -hmm. even if you look at communities uh, in, in like, let's say, sub-Saharan Africa, which is mm -hmm. a, a collection of individual countries, by the way, Africa is not a country and they're all very different from each other. But mm -hmm. if you look at some of those countries where black folks are in power, it is secondary to the imperialism right. of whites yep. that came in and colonialized and set up a structure that is not native to those individuals. And there are still influences like Haiti's still having to pay these billions of dollars back to the French and all of these mm -hmm. different things that happen. So even though there may be by title, a black person in power, they're still effectively not in power. Right. When right. you think about it as a whole. So it's not like, oh, yeah, black people can be racist in this country because they X, mm -hmm. Y and Z. No, not the case. Right. Mm -hmm. OK, we're going to take a break. We're going <laughs> to. Yep. We're all. Yep. Yep. OK, great. Yep, yep, okay. Um, all right. I think we should talk about Black Lives Matter specifically and the movement and okay. why people even call it racist to begin with. We're going to talk about that when we come back with Dr. John Paul. Drop the subject. The new channel Q. Welcome back to Drop the Subject. We are Allie and James, and we are on for our weekly wake-up call with Dr. John Paul, an incredible writer and an activist and a black educator. We have the privilege of speaking um, with them every week, and it's been wonderful. And we've been talking about why black people can't be racist. And let's talk about this specific Black Lives Matter movement and why people think that movement in and of itself is racist. Right. Yeah. So let's call a thing a thing here. Right. You know, I always like to tell people, you know, and, and again, this might be touchy. I hope I don't get in trouble, but I'm going to say it anyway, because right. that's just how I do. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to say I'm going to position why my what my thoughts are on Black Lives Matter. When we think about why so many individuals get so mad, specifically non-Black people get mad about the N-word, right? Um, I always like to say that is the only word that white people are not allowed to say, or that is the one thing that could quote unquote, get them in trouble, right? So when we think about the Black Lives Matter movement and why so many people want to deem it as racist or so problematic, it's because white people are not centered in the middle of it, right? It's not, it, it, when it really comes down to is what we're saying is this injustice that has happened to Black people since, the, again, the inception of this country, since colonialism, since all of these different pieces, right? We were taken away from the places we were supposed to be in terms of our home, our native land. We were brought here. We were told what we were supposed to do. We were we built this place up. We're finally saying now we deserve the same rights and the same freedom and the same liberation to be able to live and be treated with respect as the same way as any other race. And ultimately, because white voices or white people are not centered in that conversation, 
it becomes racist, right? It becomes this idea of it's not inclusive. What We have to include you in everything. So why are we not included in Black Lives Matter? And we're saying that's not the point. The idea of when we talk about full inclusion, right? And we talk about the larger pieces of the puzzle, what we're ultimately saying is, is by numbers, we are targeted and we are treated unfairly. And it is not even like we're saying, oh, this happened in 2000 or 2003. Numbers are still showing that we are disp- you know, like we are literally treated I would say in terms of numbers, in terms of disparity, in terms of job, in terms of money, we ultimately are not given the same opportunities. And so Black Lives Matter as a way is ultimately saying, stop killing us, give us liberty, give us access to you know the money and the life that we deserve to live. And then you have white people come along and say, that, well, this is not inclusive. It's not inclusive of you because these issues don't affect you, right? You benefit from all of this in some way, shape or form. So when I hear a white person say, you know, Black Lives Matter is racist, you know, or it's discriminatory or it's problematic, I'm going, well, ultimately now, because your privilege and your power is being challenged by a large group of people, you ultimately have an issue with it. And that's where my mind sticks with that. I think that this concept, you know, we've talked about this before, but bringing it back to this concept of of sort of white centering is really fascinating. And that it is that sort of next level of challenging individuals who are used to the conversation always being about them or the conversation always being focused on them and not even just individual interactions, but the structure of society in general. Mm -hmm specifically being built to benefit white individuals because it was created by white individuals. And that has to come, particularly in capitalist environments, that has to come at the cost of someone else. Right. right? I always bring Mm -hmm. up this point about how capitalism, whatever, we'll have another discussion about how I feel about capitalism, but (laughs) capitalism can only work when there are haves and have nots. Right. It can only work at a certain amount of unemployment. It can only work at a certain amount of loss by most companies in order for other companies to have profits and to have gains. For all of the about-to-be-trillionaire-ness of Jeff Bezos, it's on the backs of multiple other organizations that have probably even better models of business, but that have failed so that he can succeed. It's the exact same way with, with racist structures. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think it's important. There are two things that you're, you're, you're mentioning that I think we really need to center here. The first thing we need to center here is this idea of comfort, right? This idea that when we say Black Lives Matter, we are ultimately telling white people that their comfort no is, is no longer centered or it's right. no longer at the root of the conversation. So then people start to feel like, well, what about me? And I'm going, your whole life has been about you. Your whole life has been centered around you. But when you talk about capitalism and you talk about Black individuals, I think what's even more important important in this whole Black Lives Matter conversation is that we talk specifically about these ideas that these companies have continued to profit off of stealing ideas or taking the notions or the or uh, the voices or the experiences of Black people and profiting off of them. And I think that's the reason why Black Lives Matter is so important around this idea. It's because ultimately we continue to keep killing Black people, right? So there's that issue, right? Policing. Policing is a, is a whole issue in itself. And we could talk for days about what policing looks like and why Black Lives Matter was built around this idea of saying we need to get rid of the police. I know that there might be listeners who go, I don't understand enough about, you know, defunding the police or police abolishment to have this conversation. And I myself am having to educate myself about that. However, the larger conversation becomes about this idea that when Black people do something, it almost always fails. Period. There's always this, I would say, 
uh, someone could probably challenge me. But when you really think about this idea of Black people stepping out on their own, stepping out and being comfortable and being safe, my point is this. I was on a call yesterday and someone made this conversation that being Black is amazing. I love being Black. But the notion she had made was, the only thing I hate about being Black is that it's dangerous. And so when you have to think about your identity, right? And when you say Black Lives Matter, it's about that idea of being able to say, I just want to exist without it being a threat. I want to exist mm-hmm. without having to walk into a room and having to explain my whole entire life, that I have to explain you know, how I feel about something or how I think about something, or this idea that I'm seen as a threat or that you might want to kill me without me even opening my mouth right? This idea that my husband tells me now because there are people being lynched around where I live that he wants me to be careful or that if I go anywhere, I need to let him know that I made it home safely. That is why we say Black Lives Matter because there are white individuals. There are even, I would say, folks who are close to the white identity who don't have to worry about that. And Mm -hmm. so that for me, when I hear people say, oh, Black Lives Matter is racist, you know what? It may feel racist to you because you know what privilege looks like and you've always had it. However, at the end of the day, it's not. We're just saying we want the same rights and the same liberties and the same freedom to be able to thrive without feeling like we're in danger 99% of the day. That's it. And it's also that white people need to own up to their own fragility and be like, Mm -hmm. okay, this is making me uncomfortable. Why is it making me uncomfortable? And I have a question for the both of you because a lot of white people feel like insulted by this being called racist or being called whatever or being called like white silence, that kind of thing, because they're so obsessed with this idea of like, well, then that means that I'm not a good person. And it's Mm -hmm. either me being a good person and not a racist or being a bad person who's racist. And it's not that simple. But for both of you, when you continuously see white people not showing up for you, Mm. what are the challenges that come up for you in terms of not having discrimination towards white people that have been Mm. ignoring your lack Mm -hmm. of privilege for all these years? You know, this is a a really, it's kind of a tough and challenging conversation because um, particularly growing up in Nebraska and being, you know, I think most of our listeners know this, but so I'm, I'm biracial. My, my mother is white. My dad is black. Legally, therefore, I am black. I also tend to identify more as black for a lot of different reasons and in more that my skin tone and my black experience has impacted and affected more of my life than my whiteness has. But I, I think because of this, I have lots of white family members and white friends who feel as if every single one of them are the exception to the white rule because Mm -hmm. they're friends with me, because they're related to me. And so there's a lot of this othering that happens. James, I know you're upset about white folks and the lack of response during Black Lives Matter, but we're cool, right? And (laughs) no, we're not cool because you haven't been saying anything because you haven't been showing Mm -hmm. up because you have perpetuated these microaggressions for a long time. You have done a lot of this. And it's been, it's a really, really difficult conversation to have because when the the few people that have sort of been willing to have this conversation in the last few weeks with everything going on have instantaneously become defensive. And Mm -hmm. I have instantaneously felt the instinct to make them feel comfortable rather than like being head on fully confronting for fear of the loss of like difficult family dinners now, right? Like not seeing that, not being your friend when I go back and see you wherever you're from, like all of these different things come up and it's been, it's been a really, really difficult, challenging conversation. And I, I will have to say like, for the record, I feel like the white person in my life, like, I mean, Allie, like you and I do this a lot on the air and it, they've been fantastic conversations, but I have to feel like I have to give props to my husband mm-hmm. who is in a sort of a unique p- position as a non person of color 
to be married to me going through everything has been about as open-minded as I feel like he can be being a good looking white man with money. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I kind of feel the same way. So I, you know, I don't have a husband with money, but he's still good looking. Um, <laughs> and has done, we are, we are both, we are both in this mindset of, you know, money, you know, money is a whole conversation in itself. But I Amen. think, you know, the other thing that I kind of want to know is that I think it's important for me, you know, when we talk about showing up and I, I think you hit on a really important thing, right? My husband has done a lot of work. We've been married for 10 years. And the person that I knew when I met him is not the person that he is now. And I feel like my husband goes up for black lives and things of that nature more than I do sometimes because he's very much in this mindset of like I have to make sure that you're protected and I have to make sure that I use my power and my privilege to protect you I think that's been the biggest thing that has really been frustrating to me is you know so for instance this morning right I was thumbing through Facebook and there was someone I follow on Facebook who I actually really looked up to white man you know very educated was very much there for me in my life when I was a college student and I was thumbing through Facebook and I saw a whole bunch of pictures he posted and they were all pictures of of like police squad cars and him taking pictures with cops and things of that nature. And it was like, I instantaneously thought to myself, wow, this hurts. But at the same time, I deleted him and I said, I need to make sure that I can protect myself because this man who has known me for almost 20 years has not reached out to me to say, girl, are you good? Right. Mm. So I think about that kind of stuff. Like, I think it is very important for me to recognize that it's not even about what white people say or how they say it. It's about what they don't say. And when mm-hmm. they don't say it. Right. And mm-hmm. I think for me, that has been the biggest thing that my husband now, instead of him looking at me every day and going, how was your day? My husband will ask me, how are you feeling before he asks me, how was my day? That for me is extremely intentional, right? He wants to make sure that I'm okay before we go on about our evening or we go on about what we do every night, which is oftentimes watching 90 Day Fiance. Um, and so I think- Because <laughs> so you need I think, a break, right? Right. And so so I, I think that that for me is what, in this whole conversation, right? When we talk about Black Lives Matter, when we talk about this idea of like, what is racist and what is not? I think for me, my biggest thing is actions. It really comes down to this conversation around actions. And what, for me, spiraled this conversation was seeing this woman paint over the Black Lives Matter mural right. in, in Martinez. I think it actually happened in DC too. There was a DC incident. There was an incident in Martinez, California. Seeing both of those things, right? It just reminds me of this idea of how many people in this world don't want Black people to be here or want Black people to have the same liberties. And when I see my white friends ask me, girl, are you good? Do you need some money? Do you need some food? How are you taking care of yourself? They're decentering themselves to make sure that I'm okay. And I think that for me is what I really want and need in this moment is for white people to really be okay with decentering themselves. So that way I can feel like I matter for at least a day. (laughs) Right. And and that's that you make such a good point about at least a day. You know, I think some people it's like, oh, well, let's paint over the mural. It's over now. You know, it's like this, Mm -hmm. like, well, we did it for a wave and now I can go back into my bubble. And that's just not Mm -hmm. how it works. Anyway, Dr. John Paul, we have gone far over time as usual. And um, and I thank you every week for your perspective. And and we look forward to talking to you next week. Who knows what will be on the table? Another subject that most people want to drop. But in the meantime, you can find (laughs) Dr. John Paul at Dr. John Paul on Instagram. And you can also find their work at www.drjohnpaul.com. We'll see you next week, John. Great. Thank you. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-
And then the layers start. I mean, yeah, this was man. like our our first take of like like this like massive production that goes along behind like like dance songs. Like any moment the drops coming, you hear those different layers coming mm-hmm. in. And there's so much to this. Hold on, this comes to the burner right in the horn <laughs> section comes in we dun, hope dun, dun. by the way ah oh it has got bow, a nice bow. finish to it like very satisfying we hope that our uh nostalgia therapy has been therapeutic for you indeed all show long here on drop the subject i am ali she is james and we thank you so much for being along with the show that was the rugrats theme by the way if you're still scratching your head and you're like where do i know that song from <laughs> it's the rugrats theme song oh i don't know about this tommy it's all <laughs> there very good and and you know what that soundtrack for the movie the rugrats movie is solid there's an Aaliyah song on there yeah, there's like a lot of great it's it's just their music is on point love it oh that is amazing i completely forgot about the movie yeah. i know what i'm doing this afternoon so we could watch the movie download the soundtrack because it's 100 percent worth it and yes there i mean there have been a lot of things that you know obviously we're big trending national stories that we you know obviously have in the in the back of our minds today um naya rivera just being one of many and so it it's it's something that is affecting a lot of people right now. And we completely understand that. And, you know, we, we just hope that for this little bit of time, we could just bring a little bit of joy into your day and some nice kind of fluffy fun stuff because we just kind of felt like it was needed. Yeah. There's, it's really important in these times too. I think now more than ever, particularly with the lots of States going backwards on their reopening and, you know, not only Naya Rivera, but there have been several deaths just in the last 24 hours. Um, that this is, this can all weigh really heavy and, it is okay. You are actually a part of the grieving process. And I'm telling you this as a health professional, it is okay to, to, you are not, not honoring Naya or anyone else that you care about that has died by taking a moment to breathe and by taking a moment to laugh and to protect yourself from this. So we understand that a lot of that's going on and you, you, you are getting a lot of that news information from other sources, but we wanted to be able to provide a little bit of that balance here today on drop the subject. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a balance that we, Find, try to try as much as we can to find and mm-hmm. um, you know and so we don't always find it and you know I think that we as hosts it's part of our job to keep people informed about what's going on and also kind of allow ourselves to 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 take a little breather every once in a while um, while still challenging ourselves to have tough conversations so um, you know it's a it's a balance that we uh, attempt and struggle to find sometimes and I imagine it's it's a struggle for you at times as well so hopefully that uh, that little n- bit of nostalgia therapy today helped you and we will also end with some happy endings because after all it's nice to always attempt to find a little bit of a silver lining in anything that's going on in the world um, I mean we've done so much on the show today we uh, James we talked about what type of cleaner are you we talked about Kanye West's VP pick we talked to Donna Burston who is a black winemaker who's t- attempting to change the narrative on Rosé I almost got scammed we talked to Dr. John Paul about some incredible things including why the Black Lives Matter movement is not racist. And we encourage you to stay the F at home by sharing a story about a man who is spit-shining shopping carts. Well, it all boils down to this. What is your happy ending, James? Kanye West's VP pick might be a Bible, biblical life coach, excuse me, Michelle (laughs) Tidbell. 
Tidbin Tidball. Tidball. That's also an interesting name that could provide a lot of uh, fun fodder uh, going forward. But she's said in the past, Allie, that she doesn't watch the news. Oh, so that's always a good combo. Yeah, may actually be a pretty good chance that she doesn't even know. That she's Kanye West's <laughs> the vice president pick because she doesn't watch the news. So there's that. Okay. Yeah, definitely. She's just life coaching her way around she's Wyoming like, and she hey. has no clue that she's the VP pick for Kanye yeah. West. She's like, I don't watch the news. So how, I how would I know? I unplug. I just look into my crystal ball for things. No, she you're looks totally into her right. Bible for things, Allie. Oh, you're right. That's Bible. right. Nothing. Yeah. I get life coach. It. Biblical life coach has to have me like reframe things. Right, right. Um, very good happy ending. Here's mine. Medieval times may be closed, which means a lot of jousters are out of a job right now. But at least the horses get a break from being ridden by giant long-haired Thor impersonators. And that is an important break that they should be taking right now. I'm glad that many animals in the animal kingdom are taking a break from people. And I'm sure it's a nice breather for them. So congrats, horses. That, and the horses are just steady chilling, right? They're like, we're cool. We're co- Put us out on this big pasture. You want to talk Amen. about physical distancing? Like, happy to be far away from you, not carrying you or your your suit of armor and your big, long pole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pause, pause. And your chain mail. And your, your, yeah, your fake chain mail that's really made out of, like, plexiglass or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the horses uh, are out there talking a whole bunch of mess about these guys. Totally. They're like, yeah. these guys are losers. Okay. <laughs> we will see you tomorrow. If you missed anything, download the podcast and uh, always interact with us post show at DTS show on Twitter and Instagram. We'll see you soon. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> On the, ne- on the next, drop the subject. This year is shaping up to be a real dumpster fire. So let's rewrite the narrative with 2020 Mad Libs. Okay, James, give me a noun. Ooh, TikToker. Okay, an animal. Uh, pink fairy armadillo. Ooh, and a body part. Elbow. Okay, let's see. In 2020, due to a global pandemic, everyone will become full-time TikTokers. The world will be taken over by pink fairy armadillos, and everyone will have elbows for feet. You know what? I like yeah, it. Yeah, not bad. I'll take All it. All right, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the subject. 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific, 1 to 4 Eastern on Channel Q.